You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is series four, episode number 13 for Tuesday, September the 19th, 2023. It's JJ Sefton here, along with my good friend, co-blogger and colleague, CBD. And before we get going, I just want to acknowledge and give a shout out to a whole mess of new subscribers, if you will, over on the Rumble channel. So that's very gratifying. We're we're glad to have you aboard. Feel free to opine, leave comments there, and also please do come over to the Cut Jib Newsletter site because uh, along with uh, the morning reports and the morning rants, so we do uh, we are going to be posting more stories and more uh, information and more essays that I think you'll find interesting and enlightening. So welcome aboard and good morning, CBD. Good morning, and I'm very proud of you. You got the month and the date correct. Uh, you know. It's- <laughs> I have to say, I've I've chosen the right pop partner here. Thank you. <laughs> he knows what month it is, which is probably more than we can say for our president. And John Fetterman, but uh, there you go. Oh, my God. You know, something, before we get into what we're, we're, we've planned, you know, the, the greatest deliberative body in the world, the United States Senate, is beclowning itself even more by relaxing its its dress rules. You know something? Putting on a goddamn coat and tie shouldn't be that difficult. If he is that beat up from his stroke that he can't even fucking dress like a normal human being then he needs to get tossed out of that uh, chamber it's disgusting that he he can't manage to put on a suit i mean he's not even who I mean, he's not dressing him he, who's dressing him it's his it's his crazy creepy wife uh, giselle who's pulling his neck strings and lump uh, uh, of of lumpy uh, to do it so i mean what's what's the problem i mean it's just so ridiculous it looks so horrible and stupid that uh, chuck schumer has to to make them not look bad, he says, "Oh, don't worry, come as you are." And it's like, "Oh, what a what a freaking whorehouse! Unbelievable." Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so we've got we've got some interesting things going on right now, and um, I think the, um, the 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 geopolitical um, intrigue going on with Iran is really interesting and offensive in most ways. Um, we uh, we bribed them with uh, releasing six billion dollars um, in a South Korean bank. And uh, in in return for uh, releasing some essentially terrorists and spies from American prisons, and they promptly took another hostage. Like three days <laughs> later, they 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 arrested uh, some dual citizen in in Iran. Um, I haven't been able to find out what uh, country he is a dual citizen of, but uh, the fact remains that uh, this is this is simply um, paying off Iran for. The, the faint possibility that they're going to continue with their with the talks about a nuclear deal, uh, which in and of itself is a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, I've I've ranted and raved about this for years. Um, an Iranian nuclear device will be promptly launched on Israel and we'll have a a regional nuclear war. And I don't think that's a very good idea. No, that's not really a good idea. Getting our hair must in the uh, immortal words of General Buck Turgidson. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. And just, you know, if you're doing the math at home, ladies and gentlemen, I know we, we abhor doing math, but six billion dollars uh, to Iran is probably the equivalent of like 60 or or close to six hundred billion dollars if you were to give it in, in, into the United States. I mean, that is a, sh- a shit ton of money. And this is for a regime that is literally on the verge of economic collapse at any moment. Uh, supposedly on the verge of that and, and, and the civil unrest that's going on right now, 
uh, within that country with be it women refusing to wear the burqa or with the Azerbaijan, the, uh, I believe it's indigenous Azerbaijanis who are up in arms against them and, and the Kurds and so on and so forth. I mean, people have had it up to here. I've had it up to the burqa with, with the mullahs. And I mean, they, they could be easily toppled with any one of a number of things. And probably in the last or the waning years of the Trump administration, they were probably on the verge of being toppled. And now well, here comes the, the, the crazies and from Calorama and from Foggy Bottom who want to prop them up for all the reasons that, that we've always talked about. But I mean, this is just, I mean, it's 101. You don't bargain with these people. And the fact that they're, you know, even it was so ridiculous. The fig leaf that the State Department tried to say, well, uh, they promised us that they were going to use the money only for humanitarian purposes. And then when we handed over the money, even before we handed the money over, the cleric was going, the head cleric, whatever the terrorist uh, thug chief there says, uh, to hell with you. We're going to we're going to use the money any way we want. And yeah, he said, oh, OK, here's the money. And that's Ridiculous. the thing, you know, money, money is fungible. And for Anthony Blinken to say that, oh, they're only going to use it uh, for humanitarian purposes is offensive in the extreme. Who the fuck does he think he is? Does he really think that the American people are that stupid? Actually, asked and answered. Of course he does. But yeah, and, yeah. and even, even if they didn't think we were that stupid, they just don't care. They literally are in such a fog at Foggy Bottom, to use a pun, and everywhere else that these so-called and self-styled elites are, that they really just do not care what the public thinks. If the public protests, whatever the policy might be, they just don't care and they go ahead and do it anyway because they feel that, number one, they're they're in control. They're going to do it anyway, either for our benefit or they, they know that they could either rig an election or do things in such a way and play the game of catch me if you can. Oh, if, the, if Congress objects, well, catch me if you can. If you can do a lawsuit, well, that'll circulate through the through the courts for another you know X years. And by the time it even gets to, to, to the courts to be adjudicated, the damage has already been done. So it's just, you know, beyond the pale, absolutely beyond the pale. Uh, th- this is true. Um, you know, it, Iran it had for 40 years, Iran has been trying to kill Americans and Westerners and uh, and, and of course, Sunni Muslims everywhere in the world. Um, and they've been very, you know, quite successful. Um, they're they're pumping arms into the Horn of Africa. Um, they they are part and parcel with uh, Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, which is a significant threat to Israel. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure whether they are funding um, the terrorists on the West Bank and in Gaza. But, I, you know, it would shock me if they weren't. And uh, they're funding terrorism in Syria. So, uh, you know, uh, what 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 more evidence, what what extra evidence does does the world need to say, you know, something maybe Iran is a bad place and maybe we should stop treating them as just another member of the, you know, the community of of the world. It's 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 crap. It's ridiculous. It's obvious. And as you say, Kalorama loves them. Um, obviously because they hate the Jews and they hate Israel and they want them as a, as a, uh, counterbalance to Israel's, uh, regional power. Um, they're going to get it. Uh, but I don't think that they understand the repercussions of a nuclear Iran. No, they don't. They don't understand any of the repercussions of what they're doing. Sometimes they do, as we talked about on, on other issues. Be- beyond just to circle back, beyond just uh, those uh, wonderful hotspots we're talking about, there's also the Houthis in uh, in Yemen, which is right on the border with across the the Gulf with their arch rival and nemesis, even as much or maybe worse than the Jews, the Sunnis of of uh, Saudi Arabia. But beyond that, uh, CBD. 
forget the, forgetting nukes for a second, Iran has been the biggest sp- uh, sponsor of state sponsor of terrorism for the last 44 years. Far and away, there are more people that have died as a result of either ira- direct Iranian action or indirect uh, funding of terrorism all over the world. And beyond the the, the, the hellhole that is the Middle East, uh, the, the oasis of Israel notwithstanding, um, right here in our hemisphere, in Venezuela, that wonderful, sunny, beautiful Marxist hellhole in South America, there is a huge link and a very big link between the Iranian mullahs and uh, the Venezuelan regime of uh, Maduro and uh, the now dead and roasting in hell uh, Hugo Chavez. They have set up military bases there. And, uh, you know, it's not that far it's a missile flight these days from from across the Caribbean to hit the mainland United States if the Iranians ever develop missiles and uh, develop nukes, which the Caloramans and the Bidens and everybody else is hell-bent on giving them. Plus the fact that who the hell knows what's coming over the open border. We've had more terrorists nabbed over this allegedly uh, southern border that we no longer have than ever before. And these are the ones that we know about. How many have come across that we don't know about is anybody's guess. It's not just uh, you know a, a wetback looking uh, looking to mow your lawn or whatever or be your be your maid. Uh, dangerous situation. Six billion dollars now goes a long way to uh, you know to fomenting disaster. Not even there, but right here in, in the good old former United States of America. You know, speaking of Calorama and murder, um, uh, <laughs> Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was denied <laughs> uh, Secret Service protection. Um, and uh, coincident with that, of course, it's coincidental. Um, they found a guy who was uh, armed and impersonating a law enforcement officer outside one of his speeches, I believe. Um, it was either and, a speech or an office or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm not a big fan of tossing secret service protection around to everybody in 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 washington dc i simply don't think they deserve it nor do they need it uh why hunter biden has secret service service protection is beyond me uh you know uh chelsea clinton uh you know the the clinton's dog walker who the hell knows who's got it but excuse me but rfk jr let's be honest he needs it um there are credible threats to him and unfortunately has a uh, a family history of assassination his uncle and his father were both assassinated uh in obvious uh these are obvious political assassinations so for the Biden administration to, to to deny him uh secret service protection is offensive in the ex- extreme uh, but it's it's simply another example of how the Biden administration has weaponized law enforcement in this country Absolutely. You know, I think uh, our friend uh, and and uh, we've got to get him back on the show one of these days. Uh, Robert Spencer had a, had a had a terrific piece, and he was telling us a story. And you mentioned RFK's family and his you know horrible lineage with this, with uh, both uh, with both of his uncle, his uncle and his father being assassinated. Um, if you go back to the 1980 uh, presidential race, which has some interesting parallels, at least in, on the Democrat side, to to what's going on today, um, his uncle Teddy Kennedy. You know, well, whatever you think of him, uh, decided that he yeah, was going. I don't going think much to, of him. Sorry, but uh, much, yeah, but as it may, but just in this instance, he decided that he was going to primary uh, Jimmy Carter because Jimmy Carter's four years were disastrous, and this was in late 1979, early 1980, as the election season was going up, 
And these two were very, very obviously bitter rivals. And, uh, you know, Kennedy saw this as perhaps his last chance to perhaps become, you know, to, to, to get the throne as it were, as it were that, that all Kennedys are supposed to have. But be that as it may, despite their rivalry and their probably their, their enmity towards each other, Jimmy Carter, the instant that Teddy Kennedy announced his candidacy, gave him Secret Service protection, knowing full well that, uh, you know, of, of, of the family history. And whatever you want to think about Carter, who is, I mean, I hate his guts as well for many reasons, at least he had the decency to do that and to put all that shit aside and to say, look, this is something that has to be done. Now, RFK Jr., you, you love him, you hate him. You know, he is a leftist. We, you know, I, I love him, the fact that he's a turd in the punch bowl. He is now a legitimate contender for the primary. He is really nipping at the heels and potentially as this thing heats up and the disaster of the Biden administration continues, as it no doubt will, his popularity in the polls among Democrats may just really get into the double digits if it's not in the double digits already. So for for Biden not to do this is just disgusting in the extreme, number one. And number two, given all the crap that's going on, like, let's say, with uh, Justice Kavanaugh and the assassin and kidnapper that was found on his lawn. It's not tinfoil hat territory to kind of wonder, and given the, the nature of the politicized uh, uh, weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI and all the other crap, if Biden, I wouldn't say Biden is behind it, but I would say he's certainly with a nod and a wink by not giving the Secret Service protection, is is tacitly hoping that that uh, Teddy Kennedy or Teddy Kennedy, that, that RFK Jr. is going to get, uh, you know, eliminated from the race, shall well, we say. You know, something absolutely. And it would be it would be a fantastic optic for Joe Biden if RFK Jr. were assassinated. Think about it. Uh, he would immediately blame those on the right. Uh, people would be galvanized to action. We'd get more gun control and Biden would have uh, a few months of relative peace uh in the in the media um i i wouldn't put it past him i i see nothing i i think i see nothing tinfoil hattery about that no and it's amazing that we even you know that we even and i still marvel at this how we are even talking about things like this in in a serious mode and a not goofy kooky mode uh as if you know even even maybe 10 years ago you wouldn't even think this but here we are, you know, with uh, political prisoners as a result of January 6th, uh, the, the, the persecution via the state of Donald Trump, of a political uh, rival, and all of these things going on. And this is not, you know, this is, this is how low we have sunk that, that things that you, that were only in a, uh, you know, a dystopian novel or, uh, Sinclair Lewis's, uh, it can't happen here. Well, it certainly did happen here, and it's happening right now, both with Trump and RFK Jr. and, and everything else. This is really, uh, you know, this is absolutely a nightmare, but it's a living nightmare. We're living it right now. You know, RFK Jr. better just, you know, watch his ass. But uh, this is oh, yeah. what, what, what a, it's a horrible situation. I agree.
Um, The uh, smarmy cocksucker from Indiana who has shown himself to be a vile, backstabbing um, corporate GOP scumbag. Uh, in the don't hold, uh, don't hold back. Steven. No, no, I won't hold back. Um, he on <laughs> on Sunday on CNN, uh, he was being interviewed, and uh, he spoke about um Russia and Ukraine, and he criticized Donald Trump, uh, who is absolutely against that war. Um, he said, uh, quote, the forty fifth president would be quote embracing the politics of appeasement on the world stage. And walking away from our role as leader of the free world, if he were to work to end that war, um, I find that fascinating in the extreme. What Mike Pence is saying is that being anti-war is in some way uh, anti-conservative, which is fascinating to me. It's it's chaotically evil. It's insanity on on a on on every level. And yet he got away with it, saying it on CNN, because, of course, anything anti-Trump is, by definition, a very, very good thing. Now, my my opinion of the Russia-Ukraine border war is that it should end as quickly as possible. I hope that it ends tomorrow. Uh, There's no way for it to end tomorrow unless Russia wins, and that's perfectly okay with me, because the longer it drags on, the better chance we have of getting involved even more than we are. And I don't want to see American soldiers dying on the Ukraine-Russia border for some amorphous geopolitical goal that is, let's face it, it's insanity. This is a border war in a shitty little region. Uh, and why we're involved anyway is, is a question that, uh, that nobody really can answer in Washington. No, they can't. Um, the re- the real reason we're involved in there is number one to wag the dog to distract from the from the absolute disaster here at home by by the uh, by the Democrats and the Rhino Stooges to such an extent. But the other reason is to align the the, the stock portfolios of all of these uh, Stooges and criminals here here at home. That's all it is. There is no there is no reason for us to be involved in that region whatsoever, period, end of story. It is a regional border war, and as, as we have pointed out many times, if you look back to the history of, of how we got here, it all started at the end of the Cold War when we should have, and this is really, this goes back to, uh, you know, the, the Bush the Elders administration when the wall finally came down at the beginning, we should have been in doing everything we could to embrace the former Soviet Union, to embrace the Russian Federation, and try to bring them into the fold of nations. Instead, we didn't do that. We made all sorts of promises to them that, uh, you know, NATO would never expand to the east, and that we would, uh, you know, and, and in exchange for Ukraine to give us the nuclear weapons. And what happened was a disaster. We did just the opposite. And no wonder, you know, Putin and company are pissed off at us. I'm not saying that that is an excuse or a, or, or a legitimate casus belli for Vladimir Putin to invade the Ukraine. And personally, I don't care. The Russians and the Ukrainians have been at each other's throat for hundreds of years, and they have to sort out their own problems or or, or go to hell trying. That's their problem. But we have no re- business being in that region. And for people to say that, you know, Vladimir Putin is going to be the next Hitler and he's going to conquer the world. He can't even conquer the damn Ukraine for crying out loud. He's going to freaking conquer the world. No, he's not. What it does also by, by pissing him off is it drives him into the arms of the red Chinese, which is a re- another real horrible mistake. 
But Mike Pence, let's just let's just go back oh, wait, and wait, define. Wait. And don't forget yeah. into the arms of Iran as well. Yeah, bingo. Yes. But let's define terms. What is an isolationist? What is a conservative? What are all these things? And what is anti-war? It's not that I'm anti-war. It's I'm anti-going to war for no reason at all and then going to war and not killing people massively and making the other side cry uncle as quickly as possible and imposing your will on them. That's the purpose of war. And the last time we did that was the Second World War. After that, we've been just doing, we've been diddling around and wasting blood and treasure for no reason whatsoever and, and destroying our stature in the world and, uh, you know, for no reason. And it's just, this has to end. No more. And, no and, much. And let's, let's be honest about this. The, the idea of a controlled and limited war is insanity. The idea of war is that it, it should, it should be conducted as violently and aggressively as possible and it will end more quickly. That has been successful doctrine for thousands of years. And when, when armies move away from that doctrine, they get into trouble. If you, if you look at our experience in the Middle East, it's a perfect example of that. We should have been much more violent. We should have been much more aggressive and we would have, I don't know about when in Iraq and Afghanistan, but we would have certainly been closer to our stated goals uh but we we played around we manipulated the rules of engagement we tried to be nation builders we tried to be nice to everybody and it failed so yet so this this idea that well yeah i'm, I'm beating a dead horse here right but uh, well, the, the, the real point is that i don't want american soldiers on the ground in ukraine and i don't want to spend american treasure on this stupid little border war you know, just just to put the cap on it, you know, it, it's it's this simple. Anything that this administration wants, and anything that phony rhino stooges like Lindsey Graham or or, or Mike Ponce or any or Nikki Haley, anything, <laughs> Mike Ponce, they, I love Mike it. Ponce, thank you. Anything <laughs> that these people want, it is axiomatically the opposite is what America needs. So that that's just it. Period. End of story. And uh, this is you know. You're right. So see, we've beaten we've beaten a dead horse, and unfortunately, the dead horse is uh, is beating us up right now with this shit. But there are people that are standing up in the house. Thank goodness. And there was actually I, I forgot who it was. Uh, one of the one of the uh, someone on the appropriations committee. I don't know his name. I had the article this morning. He said, "No, we're not going to fund this. This is this is madness, and I'm not going to do it." And Pence, you know, blew a, and Lindsey Graham, they both blew a fuse. What do you mean you're not going to do it? And they're, you know, they're they're preventing them from having their little war and beefing up their stock portfolios at the expense of not only American lives, but God forbid, you know, the, the region. If if Putin gets a bug up his ear, a bug in his ear about launching a nuke to end this thing, so this is this is dangerous shit. So good for him. And by the way, uh, Mr. Pence, I'm glad to see that Mike Braun, the senator from your home state of Indiana, just endorsed Donald Trump. So go shove it. You know, marvelous, marvelous. Yes. What else you got, my friend? What else? Well, you, you know, I've I've been watching. Uh, let me preface this. Uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit about um, COVID vaccines and the the catastro- the catastrophic mess that the federal government has made of it. Um, but as a bit of a, a little bit of history, I'm I come from a family of physicians, and in fact, my father was an infectious disease specialist, and so mm-hmm. I. I grew up with the idea that that vaccination is a fine, fine thing. And it, in fact, is a fine, fine, fine thing for the world. Uh, it is, you know, 
the the creation of vaccines has prevented hundreds of millions of deaths across the world across the the probably two centuries um and the the research that that we do into them is well understood and people and we really do understand how to make them sometimes it takes longer with with particular diseases but it is a well understood technology and biology now fast forward to the uh covid fiasco and the and big pharma decided that they were going to use the the relatively new technology of of messenger rna vaccination and with almost no testing they threw this into the market with the full-throated support unfortunately of donald trump but also the the uh the government corporate complex that uh increasingly controls uh, washington and fast forward you know to two or three years and we've discovered that uh yeah they don't work very well um the there's more and more data that is coming out that are coming out that shows that the covid vaccine is at best neutral and in many many studies it shows that have they they have shown that people who are vaccinated are actually more apt to be infected and so as most people would understand previous infection is by far the best prevention and yet the fda and the and the american government is pushing the new covid vaccine as hard as possible and we can contrast that with even australia that was absolutely insane over covid and even they have come out and said there's no particular need unless you're immunocompromised to get the new vaccine right and, he, and even still you know i wouldn't you know i wouldn't recommend it the the key if you if you peel this onion back it really it, it begins and ends in a way with this with uh with anthony fauci uh anthony fauci as we know and, and this is heinous was literally and the, and our government was helping him helping fund the red chinese and secret laboratories in china and now by the way as we're finding out there may have been some secret laboratories in guess where the ukraine that was that was doing illegal research that was deemed to be illegal in the united states by you know weaponizing these viruses and making them uh, even you know gain of function research which is which is basically bio warfare research and he was funding it so he develops the he develops the disease and he develops the cure I mean, you talk about the ultimate, uh, you know, Munchausen's by proxy. This is spread out to the entire globe. This is evil in its most incarnate and going on and on about, oh, yeah, you know, wearing masks are useless. And then he goes, no, you got a double mask and all of this stuff to drive people crazy. Sadly, you're right. Donald Trump was in the midst of all this. Now, you could sort of play devil's advocate. And at least in the very beginning, you can defend him because, look, like all of us, we didn't know what the hell was going on. And we sort of still at that point trusted people in government and we trusted doctors, you know, to, to do the right thing. But little did we realize that the doctors at the CDC and wherever else were literally on par with uh, getting their medical, medical education uh, in, uh, in Buchenwald under, you know, Dr. Mengele. These people are hideous and heinous and they foisted this, this, this poison on us at the, at the, you know, just so that they can, you know, whatever, make a, make a profit and also screw up the elections in 2020, which was a nice little side benefit. 
and helping the red Chinese avoid their problems by getting rid of Donald Trump, who was probably the most, you know, most effective leader against the red Chinese. So all these things were kind of happening at the same time. But this stuff is just, you know, anybody who gets a booster now or anybody who goes for this uh, really should should have their head examined because now all of this stuff is coming out. And it is, as you said, CBD, at best, generally useless and at worst, uh, causing hell on uh, to people who took the vaccine, whether early death or all kinds of crazy symptoms, uh, myocarditis and so on and so forth, where young people are literally dropping dead from heart conditions. So this was a crime against humanity. And if Anthony Fauci isn't punished in this life, he certainly is going oh, straight he, to him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is that even separating this from the from the political considerations, which are I mean, you've you've explained them quite well and they are vile. They're unbelievably evil. Um, the science is pathetic. It's a lousy vaccine. So there's no reason to get it. I, I see no particular reason to go out and get it. Um, and even again, even ignoring the politics of it, it's crap. Now, am I going to go get a, a flu vaccine this this year? Absolutely. Um, is it a is it a great vaccine? No. It's you know it's it's modestly effective. Uh, it prevents the flu in some people, and it doesn't prevent the flu in others. But it's not a lousy mRNA mRNA vaccine that uh, has unfortunately not been tested enough in humans, and we simply do not understand the long-term, actually, hell, the short-term, medium-term, and long-term health effects of mRNA vaccines. So <laughs> until we do, I'm certainly not going to, to get any vaccine that uses that, that technology. You know, not to freak you out, CBD, and we can, we'll move on to another topic uh, after this because we're doing kind of quick hits here. Um, how do we know that the flu vaccines that you get at your local CVS, Walgreens, or whatever are not the uh, – somehow secretly uh, concocted with some sort of uh, government-approved uh, jungle juice that we know nothing about. This is the kind of, you know, I know it sounds like tinfoil hattery again, but I look at what they're doing all over the place in this government. How can you not have, they, they're making us be suspicious of them by not being forward on a whole host of issues, especially on this one. So for me, and then we talked about forcing us to get these vaccines by criminalizing doctors and, 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 you know, threatening to remove their licenses if they dare to, you know, suggest a much safer thing like a therapeutic, like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or whatever. And they called it fish tank cleaner. It was crazy. All because Donald Trump, you know, said you should use this instead of the other thing. Then all of a sudden it, be, you know, became demonized. But, you know, to threaten a doctor, uh, and his license for, for, you know, not, for not prescribing a medication or for prescribing a medication that you don't want them to because, uh, then it, it precludes getting a vaccine that you probably get money for a kickback. There's your 10%, Mr. Big Guy. That's heinous as well. So all these things add up into like making me very leery and very suspicious of things. I'll just, for me, I'll just take my chances with, you know, with mama's chicken soup and, uh, and bed rest and, and Vicks, that vapor rub. That'll be it. The hell with these people. Well, I I can't argue the point. I'm I'm going to be much more careful uh, in the future with with uh, with vaccination in general and flu vaccines specifically. As I said, uh, if they if they try to swap it for mRNA vaccine vaccine technology, I won't get it. Uh, and I hate getting the flu. I mean, it's miserable. I've had it a couple of times in my life, and uh, I was not a happy camper. And everybody around me was miserable too because I'm a horrible patient. Uh, <laughs> my deadpan. Take it, please, darling. <laughs> anyway, let's take a little bit, bit of a break, and we will be back with more Cut Jib Newsletter, the podcast. 
And we are back uh, for our final segment of the Cut Chib Newsletter Speaks podcast. Uh, J.J. Sefton here with CBD. And, uh, you know, climate change, as more and more of this whole thing is really being exposed as a complete and utter sham and a hoax to destroy our economy and destroy our way of life and enslave us. Uh, of course, the, the those that, that in, in power and in the junta are pushing uh, even more and more draconian, insane regulations that uh, are tilting it. <laughs> no pun intended, tilting at windmills. The latest being this idiot uh, governor or governess in in the in the horrible state of uh, Massachusetts, uh, Maura Healy, who just announced a, a ban on plastic bottles. And that's uh, and it's and it's a brilliant. It's 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 perfectly it, it's perfectly framed because the ban on plastic bottles will do exactly nothing to prevent any additional carbon release into the atmosphere. Or CO2 release. And in fact, we'll, you, we'll work just the opposite way. Because what's the replacement for a plastic bottle? Well, there's glass. Okay. Uh, well, glass weighs many, many times more than plastic. So the amount of diesel fuel that, that Massachusetts is going to have to use to, to carry around all of those glass bottles is unbelievable. The whole point of plastic well there are two points one it's sanitary it's fantastic it's cheap and it's very very light so what they have done in one fell swoop is gone backwards if if their goal is to decrease the use of of fossil fuels they've they've gone backwards and a pretty significant amount too right because none of yeah none of the delivery systems i mean whatever people think about the fantasy of uh, electric vehicle, solar power, wind power, all this. Forget it. Your electric vehicle is powered by one thing and one thing only. Uh, some generator somewhere, either coal, gas, nuclear, or even hydroelectric that is generating your electricity. That's how these things are powered. And, uh, you know, we talked about yesterday, uh, our colleague uh, who, who's been on the cast a few times, Buck Throckmorton, had a wonderful rant about uh, the, the push for electric vehicles, which is a whole which is madness. The only reason to have electric vehicles is not to replace the internal combustion engine, but to do away with all vehicular transport, uh, period, end of story, because it's completely impractical. I mean, all of these things are just either either people do not know or do not realize what they're doing or they they more dangerously realize exactly what they're doing uh, and in, in, in doing so are doing everything they can to literally destroy our way of life. There is no reason to, to ban plastic bottles. Really none. I mean, it's, it, it's a convenience. It is up to each of us individually, either to, if you want to recycle it, recycle it, or when you're done with it, you know, throw it properly away in, in, in the waste, in the waste uh, basket and have it disposed of. But to do away with it is just, it makes zero sense. So of course that's what they're doing. It is yeah. And, and to make it even worse, uh, Prince William, uh, the slightly less retarded uh, royal from Great Britain is in uh, New York uh, discussing uh, climate change and how to protect the environment with uh, some UN hack, actually the secretary general. Um, so, you know, th- he shows up here. Um, I don't know that he takes a private plane from or, or a, a royal plane from uh, from Great Britain, but uh, his he has a huge security detail you know, probably dozens of of big black uh, cars dr- driving all over New York City. The by the way, the traffic in New York was horrendous yesterday. Um, so these people are, of, of course, they, and this is typical of them. They they are elitist, 
And uh, th- what they want is for everybody else to to work on climate change. And of course, they're too they're too fucking special to worry about it in their own personal lives. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah there, there is no. But the, here's the thing: the, naturally speaking, in terms of the geological and atmospheric processes. The climate is always changing. The climate has been changing now for the four and a half billion years, pretty much, that the Earth has been in existence. Um, is, is man driving any of the of, of these radical changes? Or are indeed, are the changes that we are experiencing uh, over the last 50, 100 years, are they indeed radical changes and not just the norm? Uh, we, we now know that all the data and these the, the theories that people like this Michael Mann and so on from the climate research unit at East Anglia University and the University of Pittsburgh, they were shown and proven to be completely sexed up. The numbers don't add up. This hockey stick graph, you could take it and shove it up somebody's ass, whether it's Mike Pence or pick, pick the target of your choice. It's bullshit. But man does not drive the climate. Man cannot change the climate. We can toss bomb every hydrogen weapon fire up every coal power plant, burn all the tires on Winnie Mandela's neck to our heart's content. And it is not going to do a freaking thing to change our environment, to change the climate. Will it fuck up the environment? Sure it will, but it's not going to change the climate. And there is nothing on God's green earth we can do to, to, to ameliorate that. And the fact that people think that of carbon dioxide as a pollutant is absolutely evil. Carbon dioxide is life because what do plants eat? Carbon dioxide. What do they give off? Oxygen. And we, in turn, <laughs> we eat the plants or we grow the plants. And this is what sustains life on Earth. But anybody who thinks that this is not the case is uh, is either stupid or they're lying. Well, we, we can affect the climate around us, um, you know, for a very, very short length of time. And uh, and, and that, I think, is, is how these people conflate climate change. Um, sure, you know, the, the world was horribly polluted in the 70s and some of us are old enough to remember that but uh certainly in the united states and in western europe it is far far cleaner now than it than it was for for you know many 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 years and i think that's an impressive thing i think that it it's a it's a way to show that we can fix things but the the idea that a that a, a vital gas co2 is in some way a pollutant and that we can change for the long term the the climate is hubris on a grand scale and it it simply does not make any sense to me and it it obviously doesn't make sense to to most thinking people so yeah you have to look deeper into that and and gee what a surprise what do you arrive at you arrive at control you arrive at power that's all it is as you pointed out it's simply it's simply power over us and they right. love it, and they want to exercise it, and they'll do it in any way they can. Absolutely, I would say that you you conflate, you know, a, you know, a clean environment, which no doubt, believe me, I remember growing up. Remember when Pittsburgh literally had no had pit like uh, over Pittsburgh when we still had steel mills, it was literally black all the time. The same thing over the smog over L.A. and the, the pollution over New York City. But that's environmentalism, and I agree. To a great extent, on on a of course, with a, keeping our environment clean, keeping our air and water and land as clean as possible, because and that's quintessentially do, conservative. It's exactly about it. we are conserving our environment. Hello, that's exactly what it is. But that says being good stewards are, of our environment is one thing, but having this hubris, as you say, CBD, to think that man, puny little man, 
all 7 billion of us, even if there were 700 billion billion of us that could control how the climate, that the, the changing of, of weather patterns and all of these things is crazy. And again, as you said, CBD, the only reason that they're doing this is as a means to take us back to some sort of pre-industrial time where they can control us and, and destroy our way of life and uh, send, send us off like Pol Pot did into the killing fields to, uh, to pick tree bark and, uh, and soybeans or whatever the hell else. And if you don't go along with it, uh, you know, you, you get shot in the head. That's all it is. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. There was a, a uh, there was an article written by um, a an English uh, editorialist. I think he's the he might have been the, uh, the food critic of the of the London Times. I'm 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 really not sure who it was, but uh, he talked about his fancy new electric vehicle, uh, some Jaguar uh, electric vehicle that uh, was a catastrophe on every single level. And he finally got rid of it after a couple of years. He said, screw this. I'm going back to, to my my wonderfully uh, powerful and comfortable and uh, and cheap diesel car that I that I had. So anyway. <laughs> it's funny. It reminds you of you remind me of a, of a line from the show Frasier, where Frasier is yelling at Daphne Moon, the English maid. He says, he goes, the only time I ever give a fig about what you have to say is when England produces a, a, a great chef, a world-class bottle of wine, and an automobile with a good electrical system. <laughs> but meanwhile, he goes back to the E-Type Jaguar, which is one of my favorite cars or whatever it was. That's they are beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, some, some of those body types are incredible. Yes, indeed, indeed. Anyway, CBD, I think uh, we have reached the uh, limit of our uh, podcast. I know you you had a few notes about that. that well, you yeah, to... I would like to get some feedback from our from our uh, hopefully many listeners. Um, and, and that you know we're we're trying to increase the frequency of of the podcasts and uh, probably decrease the length of each of the podcasts. Um, and I, I'm curious whether people appreciate the slightly changed format or they'd like us to go back to uh, longer ones um, less frequently. Um, certainly when we have guests on, uh, we will, we will extend it to the, to, you know, about an hour uh, plus or minus 10 or 15 minutes. Um, but uh, when Seth and I are, are on alone, uh, I think uh, 40, 45 minutes seems to work pretty well. Anyway, if you folks could give us some feedback, that would be fantastic. And uh, once again, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, I, I, I think I can speak for Sefton um, that uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, it's flattering, um, it's gratifying, and it allows us a you know a, a small bully pulpit to uh, to nag you about uh, go out and get a gun. <laughs> I have to get that out. Yeah. Anyway, the official ending here. You have been listening to the Cut Chip Newsletter Speaks podcast, the CBD. It's JJ Sefton. Again, thank you to all our listeners, new and old and everyone in between. And please, if you can, hit the tip jar. Helps us more than you know. And we appreciate all those uh, wonderful donations. And thank you so much for supporting us. So until next time, we will uh, see you on the next show. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>